Let me pray and we'll get into it. Dear God, thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together and to uh, worship you and to dive into your word and to listen to what you have for us. And uh, man, it's just good to be together in this space. We don't need more of us this morning. Nobody needs more of me. We just need more of you. That's all. Just more of you. So would you help us understand your word, make us more like Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The, today's message is called Head on a Swivel, <laughs> Head on a Swivel, and uh, we are in week three of this five-week series, this five-week series, which is called, um, uh, shoot, <laughs> it is called Restored. It doesn't matter if I made up the title and wrote all the talks, my brain still goes sometimes. Restored, yeah, there you are. Restored, my 11 o'clockers understand me better than anybody. Um, we, uh, we are taking five weeks to walk through one passage in 1 Peter, verse by verse. And so um, today we're jumping into it a little bit before. I just want to review before we get into this one. The first week we talked about how to stay humble, staying humble. And this whole series is a look at like uh, understanding God wants restoration for you know that? Like he wants to restore your broken heart. He wants to restore your relationships with him, your relationship with others. He wants restoration for you. He wants to restore your sense of purpose, restore your sense of worth, restore your identity. God has restoration for you because he loves you, because you are valuable to him. You are important to him. Oftentimes in my life, I find that the problem with me experiencing the restoration that God has for me is me. <laughs> I'm the one who's constantly getting in the way. I'm not paying attention to stuff. I'm not, I should be paying attention. I'm distracted. I, I, I just I chase shiny things, you know? Like, I'm the one who gets selfish. I'm the one who loses my focus. I'm the one who creates the biggest obstacle for myself to experience the restoration that God has for me. So as we were thinking through this series, I was praying about it. I thought, man, I want some practical and simple because sometimes the solution's not a big thing. Sometimes the solution you're looking for in life, it's not a big, heavy lifting fancy schmancy <laughs> kind of thing. Often the solutions are much simpler. They're attainable. We overlook them because we keep looking for big stuff. And the first week, so, so, we, so we're walking through this very practical passage about restoration. And the first week we talked about how to stay humble. The staying humble puts us in the right place to experience the more that God has for us. We looked at the story of Naaman and how his pride almost cost him, but when he could step back from his, from his, his own ego, when he could step back from being some big shot guy and he could just do the simple thing that God had instructed him to do without the fanfare, he experienced the healing that he needed and how that kind of applies to us too. Uh, the, the week two, last week, we talked about anxiety hack. I don't know if you were here for that. Um, it was a long one. <laughs> but uh, I think I bore a little bit of my story to you all and talked about my own 
struggle with anxiety from time to time. You don't have to hide that junk. Trying to power through it or act like if you were spiritually more mature, you'd never have to deal with anxiety or depression. That idea is a bunch of garbage. You don't have to attend this church, but you shouldn't, should not attend any church that makes it seem like if you were just spiritual enough, you'll never have anxiety. If you were just close enough with God, you'll never struggle with depression. I probably shouldn't have thrown other churches under the bus right there, but you know what I mean? Like the idea that you can power through or ignore it or be spiritual enough to not have to deal with it is garbage. And if you're dealing with anxiety, you're not alone. You're not alone. We looked at scripture and we took out of scripture an anxiety hack, an acronym. Take a breath. Just take a breath. Be still. Scripture says, be still and know that I am God. Remember, it taught us in Isaiah. Remember God, how he's got you through it, how he's got you here, what he did last time, how he's seen you through some stuff before. Remember God. Evaluate your space. Maybe you have drifted into some unhealthy space in life, unsafe space in life. Evaluate your space. Is it where God wants you to be? Is it where he has you? Are you surrounded by people who are lifting you up? Evaluate your space. Ask God to lead you in a, ne- in a new direction. That's what David did at the end of Psalm 139. He said, search in me. Let Let me know of any anxious thoughts I have and lead me in the way everlasting. It's like David knew. I don't know the right way out of this, but I I know your way is better than my way. I want you to lead me in your way. So ask God to lead you in a new direction. Talk to somebody. Scripture is filled with verses telling you about the importance of seeking wise counsel, how we are created in community to lift each other up. you got to talk to somebody about what you're going through. God doesn't want you to try to go through it by yourself. You need people. That's why he gifted us the church. It's not a building. It's a people. Talk to somebody. I, I shared with you how I talked, broke out of the suffering in silence and took little steps. First to talk to my wife about it. Then I talked to my doctor about it. Then I went to counseling and I talked to counselors about it. That's not a sign of weakness. I used to think it was. It's not. That's a sign of courage and strength. Talk to somebody. And then last, the last part of our biblical acronym for dealing with anxiety or walking through it, none of this makes it go away, but it helps you walk through it and experience what God has for you in that journey. The last one was healthy activity. Do something healthy. Do something healthy. Your body is a temple. Do something healthy with it. And then today, we're talking about how you gotta keep your head on a swivel. Simple, practical steps that remove us as the obstacle to the restoration that God has for us. You gotta be ready and have your head on a swivel. Let me just read the verses for you this morning. You ready for this? My, uh, my, I have promised myself that we are gonna be shorter this week. I owe you some time. Labor Day weekend, 
I know my 11 o'clockers get hangry. <laughs> I see it in your faces. So I'm not gonna mess around. I get hangry too. And I didn't have any coffee this morning. So here's the passage. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. I would encourage you to read these verses every day, if not every day, every week. We only got a couple more weeks in this. This day, three more sermons. Today and two more in this series. It's not that much to like read this for a couple more weeks, right? So here we go. Humble, I, I'm telling you, without a sermon, without any garbage from me, if you just read these verses a little bit, a couple times a week, you will start to feel better, I promise. Anyway, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. I came in hot right there. That was a little loud. That he may lift you up in due time. That was week one. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That was week two. It's really good that week two came before week three. You ready for this? Because then it goes a little... It gets a little tough right now. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Can everybody just take a second and say, good feeling gone? <laughs> Nobody even said it. You're all too scared. Like, what's next? <laughs> I'll continue reading, and this is gonna be part two. Today is called Head on a Swivel. Part two next week is called The Resistance. That's gonna be verse nine. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And this is my favorite part of this passage. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. We can cast our anxiety on him because he cares. He cares so much. We got to keep our head on a swivel because, uh-oh, <laughs> you have an enemy. I, I live in, <laughs> I think we all do this sometimes. We like just it's easier to ignore some realities that are truth, but ignoring them doesn't make them any less true than they are. And one of the things I love to talk about is Jesus, and one of the things I hate to talk about is the enemy. I don't like to talk about the enemy. I don't want, like to talk about the, the attacks that we ought to face in life. I'd much rather talk about Jesus and his grace and his love for us. And by the way, that is right because Jesus and his grace and his love for us is way bigger and way better and way more important than anything that little, not little, that devil uh, can uh, throw at us. So our attention is best spent on Jesus and not the enemy. But today, we got to talk about this enemy. Because Peter, man, it's like the third time in this book, 1 Peter. I know we haven't studied the whole first book. But it's the third time in 1 Peter that he says, you got to be alert. Like you got to be paying attention. You need to be paying attention. And it's like he's trying to emphasize this point. Like he's coming in hot. You have an enemy who doesn't want good things for you. Coming in hot. 
You ever I have, I have like, I, I've, been, I've been hit with a lawn yard dart because I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> not the pointy kind. That, not the pointy kind. You ever see those new ones like the ones with the flat? But I'll tell you what, it, it hit me somewhere worse than the face. And uh, <laughs> you're not paying attention. I live in a house where we throw things, not because we're mad, because we love sports and balls and baseballs and soccer balls. And there's always, and like, you're not paying attention. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, dad, what? You know, like, or you're like doing that thing that dads sometimes do where we're not really listening, but we say, uh-huh, yeah, sure. You ever, you ever pull that move out and you turn around and there's like a baseball in your chest? You know, like, you gotta pay attention because if you don't pay attention, it's gonna hurt more. <laughs> You're not gonna be ready for what's coming next. And here in this book of Peter, man, he is trying so hard to have these people understand, these people he cares desperately about, that he loves so much. He's writing this letter to them. He's like, hey, be awake, be alert, pay attention. Because the enemy is coming in hot. There's a battle. We can't ignore it if we care. If I care about you, I can't dodge it. There's a battle for your heart and for your soul. We live in this, I do it too, it's heavy, right? I'd much rather think about I was gonna say the Phillies, but we'll go with the Eagles right now. Then think about an enemy. I'd rather think about the stuff I love and it's fun to do and it's not heavy, it's not deep. Thank goodness God placed this verse after the anxiety verse. There's a reason I reviewed that so in depth. But the reality is, man, there's a battle for your heart and for your soul that you need to be awake to. Jesus said in John chapter 10, there's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This thief would delight in destroying you, destroying the things you love. This thief would delight in stealing joy from you and stealing peace from you and stealing hope from you stealing fun from you. There's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I, I think we have a naive worldview about evil. I won't say it like that. I'll say I think I have a naive worldview about evil until it touches me or somebody I love. It's for real. It's not fun to talk about. I'd rather talk about other stuff, but we have to be awake to it. The good news is John 10, 10 doesn't end with a piece about the thief. <laughs> it ends with a piece about Jesus. It says, a thief has come to steal, kill, and joy, but I have come so that you may have life and have it abundantly. So listen, this thief piece, this enemy piece that we're just about to jump into, it's a real bummer, but you should take heart. Because Jesus wins. 
Because his love is bigger than anything the enemy could ever do to you. Because even after it's all stolen, Jesus can restore it. Now, if you're going to struggle with this talk because it's a major bummer, then just write that sentence down right now. The thief may steal it, but Jesus can restore it. The thief may take it, but God can bring it back better. Now, he may not bring it back exactly like it was. Maybe he's going to restore something better, but he will restore you. That's why it's called restoration. That's why this passage ends in verse 10. So if it's a bummer, if it's a downer, just write Jesus in big, I don't know, pull the lipstick out of your purse and scribble it all over your Bible like you're a crazy person. Just write, Jesus wins. He's bigger than the devil. The devil ain't got nothing on him, okay? We live in this naive worldview to this reality that's around us, but here Peter is saying, be alert and sober mind. Why? You can cast your anxiety on Jesus because he cares, but you need to be alert and sober minded because your enemy is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I hate that imagery. You ever hear a lion roar like close to you? I've heard a lion, it'll shake the inside of your organs, not your insides. Like you, that's like a, chest stop heart stopping sound and it makes the ghost in the darkness movie all the much better don't watch that with your kids Pe- lions eat people in case you didn't get the get the memo like what a crazy and vicious description of this enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour the enemy wants to devour you now now can i just Take a minute to break down that language because devour is not a word we use a lot. So I dove into it in the Greek, which is what the New Testament is translated from. The original language it was written in is Greek. And so I know you don't care about that. Uh, Most of you didn't even get out of Spanish one. (laughs) That was a low shot. I'm a little wound up today. Apologize. Um, but I looked into the, I wanted to know, and here's what that devour means in the Greek. It's like to swallow or drown. The enemy wants to have you swallowed up by your pride. The enemy wants you swallowed up by self-pity. The enemy wants you swallowed up by bitterness. The enemy wants you swallowed up by brokenness. The enemy wants you swallowed up by lies that you buy into. He wants to drown you in anxiety. He wants to drown you in depression. He wants to drown you in in addiction. Wants you swallowed up by hopelessness. He wants to drown you in despair. That's what the enemy wants. That's what the enemy wants, and it happens all around us. We ignore it. Can I just use this moment to say we exist so that less people get swallowed up in that junk. We don't want anybody in our area of ministry in Schuylkill County to be drowning alone in depression and anxiety and hopelessness when they can have hope in a name that's bigger than all of that. We don't want 
people swallowed up in bitterness and brokenness and lies. God has us here to be salt and light and to help offer hope to those who are hopeless. You on that with us? If you're just playing church here, we love you. And you can play church with us for as long as you want to play church with us. But we're after something better and bigger than playing church. We're after spreading light and hope. We want to be the tools God uses to rescue people around us. So we have big bullseyes on our back. (laughs) But that's okay. And everybody on our team knows that we wear a jersey with a big bullseye on our back. And they gladly put it on every day because we are after something so important. We really believe in this hope that Jesus offers through the cross. We really believe that he is bigger and better than anything the enemy could ever do. We really believe that there is no such circumstance that is hopeless or too far gone. That there is no person with a heart too hard that God can't break through. We really believe that. Anyway, this enemy, it's, it's not something that should surprise us. After all, he came at Jesus too. And if you just want to follow along, you can flip to Matthew chapter 4. I just want to make a, a couple real quick points out of the temptation of Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but after Jesus is baptized, he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. You ever try fasting? It's a great way to connect with God. And I'm learning nowadays it's a great way to realign your body's chemistry. Hello, you can lose weight fasting. I downloaded an app, I tried it for 12 hours, I wanted to punch somebody. (laughs) I didn't punch somebody, I didn't punch. I wasn't even that serious about the idea, it's just a thought that crossed my mind, I wouldn't punch somebody. But uh, not a super fan, maybe it'll grow on me, we'll see. Those apps should alert everybody around you. Hey, this dude is fasting for 12 hours. You might want to wide berth it. (laughs) Jesus was led by the wilderness to the spirit, and there he was tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. It says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are this, if you, circle that in your Bible. That's going to come up a little bit in this passage. If you, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Man, that would have been so, I like bread. I really like bread. I have an unhealthy affinity towards bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He answers them with scripture. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point, the temple, and he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. He uses scripture against Jesus. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said. I will, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, 
Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. Jesus is bigger. He tolerates this. But the first time he says away, do you realize what the devil's got to do? Devil's got to go. He tolerates this tempting, I think, not because Jesus had something to prove. Jesus doesn't have to prove anything. He doesn't have to prove anything to the Father. He doesn't have to prove anything to the devil. He doesn't have to prove anything to you and me. But he tolerates this temptation before he sends Satan packing, I think because we need to learn some stuff from it to show that he is 100% God and 100% human. It's the duality of Christ. It's such an important theological point to understand. When it says he was hungry, he was really physically hungry. Even Jesus was tempted by Satan, and it's interesting that the enemy always comes at us when he thinks we're at our weakest. Jesus wasn't at his weakest fasting. But if the enemy's going to come at you, he's going to come at you when you're feeling the most insecure. He's going to come at you when your relationships are in the most conflict. He's going to come at you when you're starting to buy the lies that people are telling you around you. He's going to come at you when you're beat down, when you're tired, when you're worn out, when you're frustrated by life. He's going to come at you when you get that big bill you didn't expect and it's going to zap your bank account. He's going to come at you when you feel that lump that you're not sure what it is. That's when he's going to come at you and bring the attack. He comes at Jesus when it seems like, from a human standpoint, Jesus would have been the most vulnerable fasting 40 days and 40 nights. I'm not Jesus. I'd be worried after a couple hours there. And interesting enough, he questions Jesus' identity. He questions Jesus' strength. He questions Jesus' purpose. And he tries to steal his worship. And that's the same junk that he does to us. He's been doing it since the Garden of Eden. He comes at us and he tells us all kinds of lies. They sound good to us, but they're trying to erode our identity, trying to destroy who God says we are. He comes at us and he tries to highlight our weakness and keep us living in it instead of stepping into the strength of God that is made perfect in our weakness. He comes at us and he tries to make us feel like we don't have purpose, like we aren't worth anything, like there's something that, like, like we can't ever be somebody that God uses. He comes at us and he tries to steal our worship and he would have us worshiping things rather than God doesn't need us to worship him. He'd have us worship our bank accounts. He'd have us worship celebrities. He'd have us worship an idea like that, that what makes us feel good is what's best for us. He'll have us worship that. He tries to steal all those things. And he comes in hot using the line, if you, and that's how he attacks me too. If you did this, it would be better if you didn't do that, it would be better. If you hadn't messed that up, things would be different. If you, 
If you did this, if you didn't do that, if you hadn't done this, if you didn't make this mistake, if you weren't so weak, if you weren't so foolish, if you weren't so dumb, if you weren't such a, if you weren't. And those lies he will spin at you are endless. And they steal. You know they aren't truth because they steal your peace. They steal the identity that Christ has given you. They try to. They want to steal strength from you and purpose from you and steal worship if you. Jesus is stronger than the enemy, though, so he says away. And at Jesus' name, which is something you can use to send the enemy packing to, devil's got to go. It says in... First Peter, to be alert and sober-minded. And this is part one and the part two of this is, is head on a swivel. You gotta keep your head on a swivel so you can see him coming. You gotta keep your head on a swivel so you can separate the lies from the truth. You gotta keep your head on a swivel so you don't buy into the garbage the enemy is pushing at you that he would have you buy and, get, and drown in. You gotta keep your head on a swivel. So I pulled three things out of that word, be sober-minded. I studied it this week. I looked at it. These three, one, two, three, real practical things we can work on come directly from the Greek word for sober-minded. You ready for them? If you're a note taker, here's number one. Pay attention. Pay attention. I don't pay attention when I'm distracted by stuff. I'm chasing shiny things. I'm not paying attention when I'm overwhelmed, and I'm not paying attention when I'm self absorbed and what happens when I'm not paying attention and I'm not alert to everything that's going on me the attacks they come in and they surprise me and they catch me off guard and because they do they hurt worse I'm telling you right now we wear a jersey with a bullseye on it and before every big event we do as a church before everything that's going to make a big difference in our community before every massive Christmas Eve program we throw up at Schoolhaven High School before every Easter it, what'll happen is the tension will rise cuz I'm not paying attention and I'll find myself being in conflict with people I love and then usually my wife who's smarter than me will say hey this isn't us this isn't this is, this is because Easter's coming up. This is because we're planting a campus in Tremont and we're under attack. And it's crazy how that perspective changes everything. But when I'm not paying attention, thank goodness she pays attention more than I do. When I'm not paying attention, it, causes, it, it, it catches me by surprise and I feel like all the world around me is falling apart. All the pieces of my life are being shattered. No, no, no. The enemy is just coming at you. And if you can see it for what it is, it's not that you and your relationship are falling apart. It's just that the enemy's trying to get in there and mess with you some. It's not that you actually don't have purpose. It's just that the enemy's trying to get in there and confuse you a little bit. See, when you're paying attention, you can see what's coming, and it'll still hurt, but it doesn't hurt as much because you're not surprised. Number two, find your balance. 
all these things come right from that word sober-minded. Find your balance. Can I tell you what's not balanced? An all-or-nothing mentality. These are all from personal experience. All-or-nothing mindset is not balanced. It's not balanced. All-or-nothing mindset applied to anything is not balanced. Hyper-focused on something is not balanced. Extremism is not balanced. And when you're out of balance, important things get sacrificed. I want to live a balanced life. I want to be a part of all that God allows me to be a part of and enjoy all that he allows me to enjoy. I don't want to miss the most important stuff because I'm hyper-focused or I have tunnel vision or I've got an all-or-nothing mentality on one thing or I'm being pulled by some extremist view one way or another. You're not following God when you're unbalanced. You're being pulled by your circumstances. And the enemy will use that against you. When I'm not balanced, important things get sacrificed. And you can find out if you're balanced right now by looking at the important things that God has given you, your relationships that he's blessed you with, the people he's called you to love and to serve, your purpose and your meaning. And if stuff that is of high value is getting sacrificed, you're probably living out of balance. Number three, calm and steady ready to drop bombs, but he keeps on forgetting. Nobody? Okay, good. It's good you don't know that reference. Calm and steady, not the rest of it. <laughs> All my young people are like, we get it. Calm and steady. It's hard to do in stress. It's hard to do in conflict. It's hard to be calm and steady when you're in conflict at home or at work. It's hard to be calm and steady when you're in polarizing times and listening to polarizing opinions? Any of this like, no? Should we, should we stir it around a little bit more? It's hard to be calm and steady when you're scared. It's hard to be calm and steady when you're under pressure. Can I give you three don'ts that'll help you remain more calm and steady? Don't react, respond. Don't blame, own it. And don't rush to a conclusion. Instead, seek truth. If you apply those three don'ts and do's to anything in life, it'll blow the minds of people around you. <laughs> if things have been, if you've been fighting a lot with somebody you love and you apply those three things to that circumstance, they will not know what to do. It'll send them, and, and you will get out of the fight a lot sooner. Don't react immediately. Take a second, think, and then respond. Don't blame the other person for everything that's wrong. Own your part of it. Maybe it's just a small part of it. Own it. And don't rush to a conclusion about somebody or something or what they're thinking or why they did it. Instead, when you start to seek the deeper truth, you understand people. And the enemy doesn't have a foothold to stick his stinking fingers in to try to pull you apart and steal from you. 
Listen, I spend a lot of time not paying attention. And this reminder was important to me. Like, hey, be alert. You have an enemy and there's a battle for your heart. And what God has for you leads to restoration. He's got peace for you. He's got joy for you. Whatever your circumstances, he doesn't want to see you swallowed up in addiction. He doesn't want to see you drowning in bitterness. He's got more and he's got better. And so he says, take heart. In this world, you'll have trouble, but you can take heart. Because I've overcome the world, and you're with me. Listen, don't blame it all on the devil. (laughs) He's not all that. But a healthy amount of respect for the evil one who wants to see your destruction is definitely due, because the attacks will come. I don't have to be afraid about this week because I know I ride with Jesus. So I'm just gonna work on the things I can work on. I'm gonna pay attention. My weeks are way out of balance. I'm gonna make sure this week I'm living balanced. I'm gonna be calm and ready and steady. And I'm gonna be listening for the voice of God and depending on him to get me through whatever comes my way. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. For the reminder, it's not one we like, but it's so important. Help us just to be alert, sober-minded, to pay attention, to be balanced, to be calm to follow you and trust you. Help us not to buy the lies that the enemy sends at us. Help us to know who we are in you, that we have an identity in you, that we are valuable to you, that we have purpose and meaning, that our worship should all fall to you. You are so good. And your goodness outweighs and outwashes any of the junk the enemy throws at us. Listen, we we just depend on your name, Jesus, this week, today. I'm sure the enemy is not happy about any of this. But we're gonna follow you and fix our eyes on you. And we know that you have peace and joy for us in the journey. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.